0: To another edition of Talking Tigs, I'm your host Scott Gerard, joined as always by my co-host Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zellinger. Uh, got a l- few things to get into this week. Uh, basketball is um, about midway through the the SEC season. We got that to go over since they had uh, a couple games this week. Uh, we actually have some more football news for you. We just had signing day. Uh, LSU, I believe, has made uh, a coaching hire. Uh, as was within, within the last hour, actually. Uh, then we got some other things to get into. Uh, XFL started this week, and who knows? We might uh, we might cover the glitz and glam of the Oscars, whatever we have time for. Uh, but before we do, just wanted to make sure, if you're not following us already, please do so, at Talkin' Tigs, no G in talking. Uh, we're also as the Talkin' Tigs podcast on Facebook, and I'm pretty sure you can find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. Uh feeling good about uh getting into this one, but I wanted to check in with you guys, my co host, uh see how you're doing. <laughs> Go, Daniel.
1: <laughs> okay, well I'll I'll lead it off here. So it was kind of a rough week. Uh kind of is a little bit of an understatement for the basketball team. They got beat up on by the worst team in the SEC and then lost an absolute heartbreaker to Auburn and we'll dive into that. Uh couldn't hardly bear to watch, uh, which really kind of put a damper on the end of my week, everything else pretty good though. Uh, sign day came and went without any huge events. There was a little bit of drama, which we'll, we'll dive into and break down, but otherwise kind of come and gone, um, baseball firing up here later on this week. So excited about that. And then just, just another pretty good week of news. So excited to break that down with y'all. Right on.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, gr- pretty great. Uh, Great way to start the week, always with a nice little podcast. So I'm happy to be here with y'all. And uh, you know, we had a little, um, had some good news with the with the signing day. Like Daniel said, not as much on the basketball front, but uh, this week I got to go to the uh, the new football ops uh, center that's you know been highly touted and spent millions of dollars on. Um, so I got to see it with my own eyes and and uh, see you know where where LSU produces that uh, championship caliber talent and and you know uh puts that puts it all together so um that was a great way to you know spend part of my week and then uh you know like you said I'm gonna get into the uh some of the news of football baseball basketball maybe a little bit of Oscars XFL a lot of stuff going on here at Talking Ticks a
0: lot of stuff going on um but since you uh since you threw it out there I I just have one question for you Tommy um were you able to take a nap in some of those sleep pods at the new building?
2: No, I, w- well, I was not actually able to take a nap, but I did get um, to, uh, I, we were walking around the locker room, and I got to sit down, and I uh, sat down in Clyde, uh, Clyde's locker and took a picture there, and then uh, I went, right next, right next to his locker is um, Derek Stingley's locker and he he must have just finished a workout or something, or had been just left practice or done something, to where uh, his like all of his stuff was there. He had his shoes and his you know his shirt and all kinds of stuff. And that was pretty cool just to see, just to be in the in the room with uh with the stuff of Derek Stingley, you know the best uh, defensive back in the country. So I got very close to Derek Stingley's um. <laughs> Uh, apparel
1: <laughs> plus you got to see the next generation with uh mr elias ricks
2: i did i got to i got to see elias ricks um maybe maybe we'll what? I'll post that picture with uh when this pod goes out um as we talk about it um but yeah i, I saw him i saw a lot so shout out to elias ricks i'm sure he's definitely a you know an avid listener and uh saw him you know in the training room we were just walking through on this tour and i recognized him and said hey man what's up you know talk to him for a second, and then uh, we got a picture. Also got to see John Emery. Well, as I was walking into the football ops center, John Emery walks out. He opens the door open for me, and, uh, and you know, just real nice, like and kind of just a nice thing, you know, oh, here you go, man. I walk in, and I see the number four on the on his – I thought it was him, but I wasn't sure, but I saw number four on his um, backpack. So I knew it was John Emery. So I say, hey, man, uh, you, know, you got that vision fixed. And he was like, oh, yeah. He, and I said, well, you know, I'm glad to hear it. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing you next year. And he goes, man, 2020, and then he walks off. <laughs> like, I got you know, his vision. It's kind of a nice little double entendre maybe because 2020, the, you know, next, this year and his his vision's now 2020. So, uh, you know, well done. Uh, well done to John Emery on that,
1: uh, <laughs> that little literary yeah. device.
0: Yeah, I love it. He just gave me the perfect sign-off for any situation ever. Just 2020, and I'm just going to walk away from the group. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm using it. Uh, so, uh, like you said, like to get into. So I, I say let's go ahead and do it. Now I, I think we should start with basketball because it seems to be weighing heavily on our, our dear Daniel here. So I guess we could go over that. Like you said, they they lost. Uh, I don't know, just one of those dumbfounding losses against Vanderbilt because they were they were un they were they were winless basically up until that point. They were zero and eight. Uh, LSU was the opposite they were 8-0 in SEC play and I don't know it um, I, I didn't get a chance to watch that game myself so I, I don't know Daniel what uh, I mean you obviously you could say it's, it's defense I heard Vanderbilt was pretty much just hitting almost everything they threw up but uh so what do you what do you think happened to the Tigers in this one?
1: Yeah, I don't know. They really just went out and laid an egg is all you can say about it. They've been riding high. I think it was like a 10 game win streak. And, uh, the flip side of that is the Vanderbilt Commodores were the losers of 26 straight in the sec. So that was dating back all the way through this year and last year. And I think that might've even been to the, the 2018 season, but so they were just seller dwellers, but then somehow came out at home and then just lit us up. They had uh two players score over 30 points, uh, One with 31 and one with 33, which is pretty much unheard of in college basketball. The final score for those who uh, didn't see was 99 for Vanderbilt and 90 for LSU, which is extremely high scoring. Uh, But, yeah, just for one player in college to have 30 points is like a huge night. And then for two to rain that down is pretty wild. Um, Yeah, and then so uh, what's it? Maxwell Evans for Vanderbilt was just knocking down. I think he had like seven threes or something. We just couldn't defend. It was a little bit sad. Uh, I mean, some of our players, the boys down low Emmett Williams and Trent Watford both put up like 20 something points, but we were just getting shot lights out around the rim or around the edge, uh, by Vanderbilt. And then, so they got out to a big lead. We kind of closed the gap and then they just kind of put us away at the very end. So it's just really kind of, confounding to to see that happen and then uh so the the big question after that was how we would fare against who most people would think would be much stiffer competition in auburn coming up this past saturday and then so that one was even more exciting um if anyone else wants to lead into that
0: yeah i mean it was um did you have anything to to say about the vanderbilt game i mean i just think that yeah it's disappointing
2: and and you know that's a game that that we should definitely win we're We're much more talented than Vanderbilt. We're a much better team. but that stuff kind of happens, especially in you know sports we we focus so much on football where um you know every game al- almost every game is this season, right? you know you, you gotta you gotta play um and and you play once a week and, uh, and and you know the the focus is on all these singular games, but in basketball or especially baseball. You know you're playing two, three games a week, and you're, I think things like that are going to happen, and you know you hope they don't, and you hope you can kind of run the table. But um, I, I'm I'm almost more disappointed in the Auburn game than I am the Vanderbilt game. Um, I know that the Vanderbilt game is one that we should we should have won just because of our talent level, but the way that, but just the way we lost the Auburn game, and uh, and the way we you know went into uh, a hostile environment and and imposed our will pretty much for two halves um and and kind of gave it up that's a little bit more disappointing I don't think that's necessarily I think that you know you got to give credit to Auburn as much as you you know say you kind of lost the game they all they also won it but um but yeah that you know I think that the Vanderbilt with the Vanderbilt situation you don't want it to you don't want to see that happen but it, it kind of happens in uh in sports like this
0: yeah, and um, you have to think uh, maybe it's just a, a rough patch. You know, so all teams can hit these. Uh, I don't know. Just in kind of in college basketball in general this year, it seems like uh, there's a lot more parity. You know, there's uh, you know it doesn't seem to be like the clear-cut favorites. Although right. I don't know, Duke and UNC. Duke and UNC had a pretty good game the other night. That kind of looked like what they their their usual level of competition, but uh, I don't know. Just college basketball in general this year seems slightly different. Um, but yeah, this uh, like I said, I didn't get to see the Vanderbilt game. Probably glad I didn't. Probably don't need to spend too much time on it because uh, I don't know. If if Vanderbilt was zero and eight, then you know it could just be one of those flute games, like uh, like you just mentioned. But the Auburn game, you know, I had a chance to watch it, and I don't know. It just seemed like one of those games where one team was in control almost the whole game being LSU but then there are stretches where Auburn would just nail threes and LSU decided not to stop it or couldn't stop it I don't know what it was but it seemed like Auburn was just going to live or die by the three and they were able to stay alive through overtime and then win in the end um you know I, I don't know um I, I think uh, having watched that one and hearing what Will Wade's been saying over the past week, it's, you know, it's defense. They, they are hurting defensively. Obviously if you can hold Auburn to under, you know, like around 60 something points in regulation uh, and have an 11 point lead with like seven minutes left, it was just, you know, they should be able to close that out. I'm um, hoping they can get things figured out before tournament time. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just a rough patch. I know they're missing uh, a couple guys, but I think anyway, Will Wade also took credit for this loss. He said it's on me. Um, the guys did what they were supposed to, what they were asked of, uh, but maybe it was something in his decision making or his uh, or his play calling. I'm not sure. Did you, did you guys kind of get that sense too?
2: I mean, I think that I think that there were definitely, um, yeah. You know, I, I'm I would probably agree that I don't know if you can ask, especially like a, a player like Skylar Mays, I don't know if you can ask him to do much more than he did. Um, you know, he did have you know the key a key turnover, which uh, you know hurt us. But other than that, he was rock solid the entire game, and you know I think put up most points he ever he ever put up. Is that right? I think I think yeah, he had of, a I career high
1: that. thirty in the yeah. game.
2: So um, you know, I, and I, and there were a lot of you know a lot of other players had had good games as well. Um, but uh, he he just I, I you know I don't know if it's necessarily uh we'll wait or if it's the team or if it's uh, you know it definitely definitely is a defensive issue but um it, it's just that that finishing you know that they, they when you have a 10 point lead with 2 minutes left um you know how can you how can you lose that you got to you got to step on their necks um now that being said you know we can it's shown that we can we can play with auburn you know we can play with any team you know if we can play with auburn we can play with kentucky and as we saw, you know, last year, um, you know, we were the hottest team in the SEC, SEC. regular season winners, but we didn't win the SEC tournament. So, you know, maybe maybe that's the flip side for us. You know, we we can we know what we're we know we know who we can who or we know we can play with anybody, and we get to SEC tournament, and then you know things happen. So, um, I'm hoping for some improvement, but I don't know if I'm necessarily the guy to have a, a you know. A, specific there's nothing I saw that it would be a specific prescription, especially since you know and me and Dana were talking about it um during the game you know our off our rebounding is so good uh and the offensive rebounding is still that good so um you know and sometimes that's sometimes that's a big deal you know if you're especially if uh, on a team that uh, has a problem you know finishing games it would be the rebounding of you know kind of Feeling like you're ahead and then not putting in that extra effort because a lot of those rebounds, especially offensive rebounding, is all hustle plays. But it didn't seem like it was that.
1: Yeah, one thing I kind of wanted to point out in the Auburn game. So just uh, I don't think we ever really said exactly what happened, but we lost 91 to 90 uh, after we were being ahead big time in the uh, Regulation. I think we were up by 15 at one point, maybe even more. And then we were up by, like, eight with less than two minutes left. And then a couple of key, like, plays happened where uh, Auburn just – started lighting up threes at the very end. This one guy, uh, Devin Cambridge, he had, he hadn't scored a single point in four straight games. And then he came out with 21, all 21 on three pointers. He scored seven to 10 and he just would roll to the top of the key and just blast it, knock it down. We wouldn't even like challenge him, which was so strange. Um, and then, so like you said, Skyler Mays, he kind of coughed it up with about a minute left and then let uh, Auburn score, and then they fouled Javante Smart, and when you're shooting one-and-one one with about a minute left, and if you would have knocked the first one down, that pretty much would have put him away, and then he missed the first, they got it back and scored right away, and so that was a little bit of the dagger. So that w- went into overtime, 74-74, and then uh, Auburn actually got out to a big lead in overtime, and then we came roaring back, and then scored to go up uh, 90-89 to with, I think, seven seconds left, and then they just inbounded it, drove the length, and then I had a cutter to the basket between two defenders and just laid it in at the buzzer to win it by one point, which is just so tragic. But the the point that I was getting back to around at the beginning is that three-point defending, like Auburn shot 44 threes, which is a pretty crazy amount, but they made 18 of them, which is 40% shooting. Uh, That's pretty good uh, for college, especially. And then it's the same thing we saw in Vanderbilt with them just chucking it up there and then just racing out ahead of us. And so we just we got the bodies to to beat people down low with Emmett Williams and Trina Watford. And then Darius days kind of filling in. So we just need to see the the defense on the perimeter step up a little bit. And then I think we'll be a much more complete team. Hopefully we see that this week they're playing, uh, at home against Mizzou. Hopefully that's a bounce back game tomorrow would be Tuesday. And then they play at Alabama later in the week. So we'll see how those go.
0: Yeah. You got to think they, they, they'll have those games, but, um, yeah. Just everything that you said just now, it's, it sounds like LSU had, you know, they had the game four different times and they just could not hold it. So I think ultimately that would come down, you know, to, to will Wade 'cause because, you know, if Skylar Mays gave up the ball and, you know, then Auburn just ran away with it, that's one thing. Or if he missed a free throw and, you know, Auburn never let, let the lead go again, that'd be another thing. But like you said, they had the lead with, like, seven seconds left. All they had to do was stop that one shot, but they couldn't. Um, so, you know, it's, it's it comes down to defense. I know they're missing probably one of their best defenders, uh, Charles Manning. He's still out with, like, a foot injury. He had surgery, I think, back in uh, uh, almost a month ago. Um, it's just they don't know when you're going to have him back. But once he gets back, I think he's going to be – uh, a good a good resource for the Tigers, at least defensively, because they need someone to come in and play, play some defense. Like if you can hit, you know, eight threes in a row, uh, incredible. And it's gut wrenching as a fan to watch because you know all us all armchair coaches can see it happening, and we can just say, you know, cover the perimeter. But because I don't know, I watched the game, and Auburn was not going to win the game inside. That's I think that's why LSU had a lead. Auburn was trying to hit three, uh, threes the whole game. But they, they just weren't until you know, they would have streaks towards the end of the first half. Kind of the middle of the second half, and then LSU would get the lead back. But then towards the end of the game, and then Auburn just kept sinking them. Uh, so it's it's, like, it's not like LSU can't compete with these guys, or they just got lucky. Bruce Pearl said going into this game, uh, LSU's the real deal. He was like just making sure that you know, his, his fans and his students were there because he knew LSU was going to be a hard out. Uh, And they were, they just, you know, I think LSU really clearly should have had it. And I hope they can uh, uh, get back on track and finish the SEC schedule. I think there's only like eight or nine games left. So, um, you know, I don't really care about the, you know, if they win the regular season or if they even win the SEC. If they make the tournament, that's when it matters. But, um, I mean, it would be nice to see them finish because it looks like they have a good team. So, I would just hope they can achieve all that they can. Um, and, you uh, know, one final thing
2: on. that I was going to say, as much as this basketball, as much as, you know, t- two tough losses in basketball hurt, and as much as it's disappointing to see us lose in the last second or see us lose to, you know, the worst team in SEC basketball, the fact still remains we're still national champions in the sport that matters. So, <laughs> LSU fans, don't take this Whoa. one off the chin too much because
1: – Kind of throw some shade our
2: right. – and our players and our <laughs>
1: yeah. other sports other than the food. My the, goodness. The football. No, I'm just saying, yeah. like
2: look,
1: this is
2: this is this is the SEC. And you know, the slogan they they're running with right now is it just means more. And I gotta tell you, SEC football, sorry to all the other sports, but it just means more.
1: Does it mean more to Kentucky?
2: Uh yes, yeah, Kentucky's a football school now, Daniel.
1: All right.
2: Don't you remember when they had Benny
0: Snell? <laughs> He was a player.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was, he was. and they. But Kentucky's made, like, three straight bowl games. So they, they're they back, just so you know. Um, but, it, I mean, it, it typically is, yes, a football conference. But, um, I mean, there's always these, uh, you know, the mainstays. There's always Kentucky. And there's usually two or three other teams that have been rotating. Um, just this year, these last two, three years, it just so happens to be – Auburn and I guess LSU because um, that's who's in the lead league right now I think they're all tied um LSU would hold the tiebreaker if they went out but um I, I don't I don't know if that's going to happen but uh yeah uh I don't know it's like hopefully they can get these things figured out when they get some players back it'll it'll get settled up and, and LSU will not only be a Football school, but a basketball school because they can make the Sweet Sixteen two years in a row. I don't know. I don't know when the last time that's ever happened. So, either way, there's going to be some more uh, some more records set here in uh, in LSU basketball. Maybe. But since
1: you know. love, love football so much, what what happened this week in football, Tommy? What we got? Well, you know, we had signing day Pat on uh,
2: this past Wednesday. Just hired a new passing game coordinator, and uh, about an hour ago, so. Know, two big things um pretty excited about that uh, definitely with the signing day class you know I, I, we kind of went back and forth at first you know with the the Jordan Birch fiasco that we kind of talked about a little bit last week and ended up you know not getting him he, he ended up signing officially with uh South Carolina uh that was a little bit disappointing at first but you know I've got the class pulled up right now and you know it's a very we've got a very talented class and I think, that, I think that LSU fans should be excited because, you know, we, we picked up a lot of great pieces, um, a lot of talent on the, uh, on the defensive and offensive line, and uh, we got a few, you know, stars uh, in important positions like Elias Ricks at cornerback, Eric Gilbert at tight end, and, uh, and Kayshaun Booty at wide receiver.
0: And that's what we needed to replace pretty much. Yeah. That in the D-line. Yeah, exactly.
2: And we've got so, yeah, two stud defensive linemen. So yeah, um, yeah, you know a lot of it. We filled our we filled the gaps that we you know that people were questioning um, real well, and you know I, and we've got a lot of the guys are on campus right now. In fact, like I said, I saw Elias Ricks on campus uh, while I was taking that tour, and um, and so you know I think that it was it, it it's been um, kind of up and down because of of how many. You know, players we had and then lost, and then oh, we're going to get them, and then we're not. You know, talking about Raheem Jarrett and Jermaine Burton and Jordan Birch um, and Zach Evans. But when you kind of now that the dust has kind of settled and you look at this class, I think LSU and Coach O kind of did everything they needed to do, um, blocked out the noise, and you know, picked up the talent that they that they really wanted and that really wanted to be here at LSU.
1: Yeah, one thing to note as well is that. Uh, with the signees from National Signing Day. Our class currently is only 22 officially signed out of 25 possible scholarships. There was two guys, uh, Lorando Johnson and Cameron Jackson, who were committed but did not sign. And so you kind of wonder what's going on there, maybe grades or something. I don't really want to speculate too much on any high school kids, but so they can still sign at some later point or uh, if we got some other people who still want to sign for, like completely who we don't even have on the radar, that could be happening too. But So we got 22, which is a little bit disappointing to me. I think you would want to obviously fill up all your spots if you could. Um, so we'll just see where that settles out. But, yeah, I'm really happy with the the guys we got too. I think it sets us up for a good future uh, coupled with the obviously great freshmen that we had this uh, past year that we've already seen on display. And uh, so I think the future is still bright for the LSU Tiger football program. Well, and, and even and even still, you know, you say we've got twenty-two. We're still na-
2: nationally ranked number four. So, you know, if we fill those spots, you know, we might we might even move up, um, move up even higher in the in the ranking. You know, a few a few nice pickups. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm eager yeah, to see coach, who we end up who we end up filling the spots with. But um, but yeah, either way, right now this class
1: looks great. Yeah, and one thing to to mention about that is that I think the way that transfers work these days for for not graduate transfers is that they take up a spot from the previous year's class. So if we had somebody transfer to LSU two years from now, they would take up one of those three spots. So maybe that's almost a good thing to have a couple of kind of built-in openings there, especially with the current. "Quote unquote, like marketplace of college football, where players are transferred left and right to try and find a better fit for them. So, I mean, I'd welcome any studs from other schools with open arms to to those positions.
0: Yeah, well, Coach O said he was saving those for specifically for transfers. So, um, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, it, it can count towards the previous year. So, and who knows? There could be someone in two months from now. Because, right, we got Joe Burrow, and like it was well after this. So there could be somebody else between now and, you know, the spring game or after the spring game that, uh, that could be a great addition. Um, and they have two to play with. So that's awesome. Yeah. Now, I think the, Joe
2: uh, signed on May 18th. So that was, you know, well after the spring game, kind of, yeah. you know, right at the end of, um, or right bef- before, you know, summer camp started. So yeah, there's definitely time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, but I wanted to go back to the uh, the hire that you mentioned, um, because I don't think most people would have heard of him. I I didn't know him by name. Doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's what he's talking about, or that you know, o, 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 Coach O found the best guy for his program. Um, doesn't mean he doesn't yes, know Scott you by Lynch. name. <laughs> yeah. Um It's Scott Linehan, who is a uh, well-traveled. Uh, offensive coordinator in the NFL, and um, uh, he's been, you know, attached to some good duos, especially when he worked at the Cowboys. He also worked with the, the Minnesota Vikings. He went back to the Cowboys, and I think that's who he was last with. But, um, you know, he's he's obviously seen his fair share of, of offenses at the NFL level mostly, but uh, I don't know. Do you guys have any uh, immediate reactions to this hire? Is there anything about him that stood out that you thought, oh, yeah, this is the guy? Or is it? All right. Well, I don't know who he is, but I trust Coach O. So there we go.
2: I think I got to be in the. I don't know who he is, but I trust Cocho. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because of my own ignorance, um, you know, I haven't, I haven't really, I don't know much about his work. You know, that with it going, with the news coming out, basically right before we record, I haven't had much of a chance to uh, to really dive into his, you know, his body of work. But Man. I do know. I heard from an insider source that uh, that Coacho had you know they interviewed a lot of people and and that was well documented and they've been looking at different um, you know different options and that every time that they would come in and visit uh, you know with these with these potential hires the guy would just would, he would be able to say, you know, Oh, this is what Joe Brady did last year. Or this is what y'all did last year. And I'll be able, I'll do that too. But coach O was really looking for someone to, um, to, you know, teach him something and say like, what can what, what new thing can you bring to the table? And so clearly, you know, I, I would imagine that this guy, you know, brought something new to the table when they met and that, and the coach O was impressed with that. So, you know, if Coach O's impressed and he's he seems to be a pretty good judge of talent, then I'll take it. Um, I do know that you know this is this falls right in line with kind of some of the stuff we talked about over the past couple podcasts about potential hires. That um, you know, Coach O wants an NFL guy. He doesn't really necessarily want a a, a guy who's only been in college. Um, and I think that's you know kind of plays more towards his recruiting aspect of being able to say like, look, you're going to be working with coaches who are. Um, experience in the NFL and can get you to that next level. Uh, and then, you know, the NFL, it, it, it is a different game and it's, um, you know, a lot higher level of, uh, of, of playbooks. So we saw that with Joe Brady with him kind of implementing the saints offense. So, uh, you know, that's, those are all kind of, kind of, it, it all points to those indicators of why this guy, you know, seems to fall right in line with what coach o wants in an, in a, in, a, in a offensive, you know, coaches, uh, I guess one other thing that and I I just thought of this. I don't know if this necessarily fits in, but um you know, I would wonder I'll have to look at this after we're done recording. But doesn't Sean Payton have ties to the Cowboys? Like wasn't he That's where he was before he went to the yeah. Saints. Yeah, he's got the So yeah. I wonder if this is almost like a coaching tree hire to where, you know, this guy was an offensive coach with the Cowboys. He's been, he was with the Cowboys from uh, you know, I guess earliest was 15 no I'm sorry he was with the Cowboys from um 14 and so you know I wonder if this is you know he's kind of got some ties to Sean Payton in some way and you know you're going to move from one Sean Payton you know esque coach to another um if if that's if that's the case then he's definitely a a great hire because just uh, with the success Sean Payton and his his uh his prodigies
0: have had
1: yeah, kind of for me, initially, I was a bit apprehensive when I saw the news, not because I had some deep history with him. I didn't really really know who he was at all, but just seeing kind of where his coaching career uh, with the, the four years at the end with the Cowboys, when he kind of inherited a, a Tony Romo who was on the decline, and they had a couple of poor years, and then he got Dak Prescott. They kind of lit it up, so that was good. He got Ezekiel Elliott, and they had a, a couple of nice years there, and then I'm not, entirely sure why he he left the the team last year or left or got fired whatever I'm not I don't know but then he was the head coach of the St. Louis Rams back in the day the day being like 2006 and uh, they were not too good so I mean he's not the man in charge now he's just the passing game coordinator I wonder if that works a little bit on your psyche going from being an NFL head coach to a college not even offense coordinator but That's kind of neither here nor there, but I think it'll, it'll work out well. Obviously he's been around the block and I think the general consensus is not always true, but if you can be a coach in the NFL, you can coach in college and not necessarily the other way around. So I have faith in in coach O and then I know Steve Ensminger will still have some great ideas to to weave in with the offense uh, as we develop these new players. So I think it'll be good. We'll have to assess, as the first couple of weeks kind of unfold going into the season. But I think it's good for now. This is maybe not the, the splashiest hire, but I think it's probably a safe one uh, overall.
0: I would totally agree with that. Um, you know, a splashy hire would have been all the names that people were thinking about or had been told by, you know, some of the national reporters. But uh, this guy with his pedigree and, like you said, with the NFL experience, uh, I mean, he was even a head coach at one point, uh, he coached the Rams. Um, the greatest show on turf, but I mean, some of the people he's worked with when he was at the Cowboys, he had both Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. So he was kind of there with that transition. And, you know, I don't, I don't think we, we need uh, someone to come, come in and completely reinvent the wheel again at LSU, because, you know, we have, we have Brady's, uh, you know, thoughts, his ideas, plays, all that, you know, Steve Instamere is one that called most or almost all the plays. So he's still the offensive coordinator, Um, you know Brady just opened our minds to new things so I think what going back to what you said Tommy if this guy has some new things he can uh, introduce you know he's pretty much just adding something new to the gumbo you know because we already got a good base a good roux. we already got all the right ingredients we just need kind of someone to just you know stand apart from all the the guys in the gumbo cook-off so I look forward to it um and I think uh you know going back to what you said about being a safe hire, yeah, i mean coach o you know those guys that can uh, can coach in the pros can can talk to these kids because they've you know they've had to talk to these professional athletes they've had to deal with professional front offices and and all that stuff, so I think this is like a a much more easy environment to to just deal with your players and you no, know, he's got he's got experience, so who knows, he's probably got some trick plays he wanted to run with Romo or Dak, but couldn't because he was in the NFL. I don't know. He's got Miles Brennan or you know, who whoever else who's gonna be the next quarterback, but I'm sure he has got plays for whoever it is. And I think finally also,
2: um I've heard Cocho say, you know, multiple times. That when he's picking, um, uh, uh, you know, assistant coaches, he wants people who not only can do their position well, but can also, you know, help the entire program and help him as a uh, help him make better decisions as a as a uh, head coach. And with you know this guy's experience as being a, a head coach in the NFL, which is as high as you can get in the profession, I can only imagine that that will you know
0: help Coach O with more insight. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he's. He's been known to to lean to lean on his superiors. I mean, that's why he brought in uh, John Robinson from from USC because uh, that guy was in you know at a storied program at USC. Then he also coached in the pros. So, yeah, I think he wants guys that are around him that can give him that little bit of advice to kind of push him one way or the other if he's uh, you know teetering on a decision. Uh, but I yeah, I think it's a great hire, and I think we'll see. Uh, we'll see some things that we like in the spring game when that, when that rolls around. But uh, a few months before that, but, um, uh, there was some news that came out, uh, for LSU baseball because, uh, they're, they're starting the season this weekend, uh, ready or not. But, uh, I think LSU is going to be ready because, you know, they've, they've got a lot of guys back that they haven't played in the last year or so because of injuries, uh, or whatever. Um, but, coach Maneri did announce his uh his starting rotation at least for the weekend for this uh, series coming up they're going to open up against Indiana at home coach Maneri announced the, the starters for that I'll uh, have that here for you in a second yeah so the the okay. season opener we got sophomore Cole Henry
1: uh on Friday he was kind of our stud um well, he was only a freshman last year and I think he had some injuries but he had some great stuff uh and w- when he was in action. And then Saturday afternoon, they got sophomore Landon Marceau. Uh, I don't really remember too much about him. And then redshirt sophomore A.J. Labas, I I uh, can't get the Cajun names too right, but he's the, the one on Sunday. <laughs> so they got a, a young crew, um, which is good to see for the future. Um, so hopefully this year goes a lot uh, better. We were kind of cursed a little bit last year with the pitching people going down early, which you hate to see. Uh, But I think with the guys we got them will be good for a long haul. As long as everybody kind of keeps it uh, on the straight.
0: Yeah. uh, No, I'm looking forward to see some of these guys back. Cole Henry, you know, became the, uh, one of the studs last year. Marceau, you know, he's done, he's definitely done well in some good situations. I think that's why uh, Maneri picked him for, for, uh, for one of those starting positions. But, uh, you know, Lavis, he's, he's, he was on, it was pretty much been on injury right for the first two years, but yeah, he, oh, he missed last anything. season with a shoulder, with shoulders shoulder, shoulder surgery. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully he's returned. They said he's got, uh, you know, some of his pitches are better. He's got a little bit more velocity on him. Um, uh, but he, you know, he started ten games in his freshman year. Went six and two. Uh, that's that's pretty good considering the competition. So, uh, looking forward to it. Have, uh, do you guys think you're gonna head out to the box? I don't know about this weekend, but maybe sometime soon. Yeah, I'll definitely make my way over there.
2: Um, I don't know if I'll be able to make a, make a game this weekend. I kind of want to, um, but might have some plans uh, already for the weekend. But regardless, I'll be watching. I'll be keeping up with them, and I'll definitely make a make it to uh, make it to some games, um, you know, this this season. And I'm I'm kind of yeah. eager. You know, it's it's a little bit of a uh, seems like a, you know kind of a, f- a fresh slate going in. You know, like we said last year, we actually kind of started this podcast towards the end of baseball season. So um, yeah, you know, and of course we covered the uh, you know the regional and then and playing FSU and losing to FSU. Um, so, you know, I think that, um, I mean, I'm eager to see, you know, what we, what we, uh, what we can accomplish preseason ranked 18, I
1: think, is that still correct? Yeah, I think they they're kind of jumbled, but yeah, right in there.
2: Yeah. Somewhere around there. So a lot of room to move up, but, um, you know, still preseason ranked. So I'm, I'm happy about that. And, uh, I think that, you know, at least for my approach with, with, uh, baseball, and basketball, it's a little bit of a you know I, I, I tend to just more watch the games and, and enjoy it and and not and kind of let them do what they uh, what they're going to do and and not analyze it as much as, uh, as I do the football aspect. so you know I, I think that kind of you know we got a lot of potential as we did last year LSU baseball is always always uh,
0: a contender and I'm ready to see what we can do. Yeah, it's uh, we we started right when they were ending their season, and it's uh, you know it was kind of a heartbreaking loss. Cause, but I you know I remember LSU having a lead in in that first game, and then they lost it, and uh, you know they couldn't get the game back, and then LSU won the second one. Uh, and I, I remember it going back to the pitching. You know, at, at one point, Paul Maneri only had like one solid starter, and you know just to get in deep into the postseason, you need you need at least three. You know, they just kind of became Johnny Holstaff again. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, just, you know, a rash of, of injuries, of, of just different things that happen, or, you know, if it's something about Alan Dunn, but, you know, I, I, he can't control the injuries. So hopefully these guys can stay healthy and uh, give him a solid rotation uh, for these for these weekend games.
1: For sure. It'll be an exciting season. We'll see uh, where they go. Got a lot of young stars. and they had some Uh, departing production from last year um, with Antoine Duplantis and, and others, but still got a good core. So hopefully they'll take it all the way to Omaha and beyond this year.
0: Amen. Um, Yeah. I'd love to be able to catch a series and Indiana's going to be a good one because they, they, they've been in the playoffs uh, the last year. They've been in uh, almost the, uh, the world series too. Uh, So I think that's going to be a good series. And they got a new pitching, uh, sorry, they got a new hitting coach too, which hopefully can bring something new, you know, generate some, some new offense uh, because, I don't know, it seemed like their uh, their offense would just come in spurts last season. So hopefully they'll have something a little bit more consistent. Uh, a. Smith, so he's got a plan for LSU as uh, baseball offensive woes. So we'll see. Um, but, did you? I heard someone say Duplantis. Uh, did you guys hear about Antoine Duplantis's brother
1: this past yeah, weekend? Yeah, I was actually going to mention that. I think we, we actually talked about him very briefly, like in the very early days of the podcast, but uh, former LSU track and field star Mondo Duplantis, who's a pole vaulter, now a world record holder pole vaulter, at only uh, the ripe young age of 20, uh, set the, the indoor pole vault world record with 20 feet and 3 inches uh, just Uh, on Saturday. So that's crazy uh, accomplishment for him. So all the props, he's no longer competing for LSU, obviously, because he's on the world stage at this point. Uh, But yeah, he's the brother of former LSU baseball, star Antoine Duplantis as well. So it's a pretty amazing sporting family there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I don't know. uh, I I watched uh, a highlight of it and uh, right after it happened, man, he was celebrating. I mean, of course, he just won the world record, but everyone else around him—you can see them all celebrating. The crowd was into it. He went up into the stands. hugged like his mom was pumping up the crowd. It was a great. It was. It was a really great video to watch. Uh, so congrats to him. Yeah, just. Uh, uh, so I don't know. Hopefully that that brings it back for you, Tommy. I mean, it wasn't football, but you know, LSU is now has a, a a world record holder out there. Um, yeah, but. But uh, now the baseball's starting. There's going to be a football player on the baseball team. Yeah. So so Maurice Hampton uh, is about to start with baseball. So uh, that'll give you something to look forward to, since it's somewhat football related. I don't know. I guess we're gonna we're gonna pick on you about that because you threw shade on the basketball report. <laughs> but oh well do uh, you guys have any? No, I
2: wasn't saying that basketball didn't matter, but I was just saying, you know we we don't need to take these take these losses too hard because
0: we still have that hardware true, true, you're right, you're right uh, we shouldn't feel like we have to come out of the gates with every sport and expect what we just saw with the football team. We should just enjoy that for what it is exactly. I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that um but uh. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know. Is there, was there was some more lining up there? there was, uh, we just had an awards season. The uh, the Oscars. How did you guys do last night? Did you uh, did you fill out your Oscar bingo correctly? I I did. I
2: had a uh, had a, a great night as far as just enjoying the cinema and the art um, that was on stage. And I'm very pleased that the uh, the underdogs, uh, Parasite, won. But, Scott, you're the actor on this podcast, so we, want, we wanted to get your take. You know, what were your kind of initial, just kind of quick thoughts about the Oscars? Because you are a member of the Academy. You have your SAG card. I saw it live in person <laughs> we met. Uh, that's so kinda, true. What, that, what
0: that's were your true. thoughts
2: about the, uh, about the, the awards?
0: Uh, well, I, I should back it up a, a step and say I am not a member of the Academy. That is a uh, completely separate issue. Uh, I know a couple Academy members, and I've known some to uh, be able to grace the red carpet and uh, and go to the awards themselves. But I am not uh, a member, at least not yet. That's that's a process. Um, but you know, I, I, I thought they were great. It was uh, you know it was kind of kind of weird them not having a you know, like a true host, Yeah. Uh, you know, because there was the fallout with, uh, I guess, but I guess Kevin Hart and, you know, they just decided not to replace him. They said, you yeah, know, we're just going to go without a host this year, you know, but they brought out two previous hosts just to do kind of like that opening comedy bit, which was fine. Uh, but, you know, then, then after that, everything was just, you know, pretty straightforward. So it, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I think they probably should have just gone ahead and found a different host, you know, and just do it like they normally do. Uh, but, you know, I thought the, the production was fine. Uh, Janelle Monet came out and, you know, smashed it out of the park. Uh, had a great red carpet thing. I'm not a, I'm not going to do any red carpet uh, uh, dissertations, but, that's, you know, you can find somebody else for that. But uh, I thought the awards were fine. The people who I thought would win mostly did. Uh, I kind of knew Brad Pitt was going to win. Uh, I kind of knew, well, I, every, I think everybody knew Joaquin Phoenix was going to win. Um, but you know, there's sometimes you just you don't know. Uh, Oscar is all about surprises sometimes too, and last night was one of them. You had the first international feature winning best film, and that hasn't happened. Usually they just win in their own category, uh, but he won that one too. Uh, and talking about uh, Parasite, of course, and you know, just uh, Bong Joon Ho winning the uh, screenplay and directing. You know, it was just, it if he had acted in it, you know, it would have been a clean sweep. Uh, but it just goes to show, um, you know, the people love films like this. It doesn't always have to be these tentpole, you know, comic book productions. And Last Night was a great example of that. Uh, but, you know, they, they also recognized, you know, good writing, uh, good directing. Uh, I think Tarantino had a really good idea and a concept. Um, but I don't know. It was just his his telling of an old story in Hollywood. You know, I, a lot of people, including myself, w- watched it and said it I was awesome. I liked watching it. I just don't know what I was supposed to come away with it. Um, but then you had, you know, something like The Joker, which a lot of people, you know, were afraid to kind of see what happens with because they didn't want someone messing with, uh, you know, this, this storied franchise. Uh, but it became like a really good acting uh, piece for Joaquin. Uh, you know, because he's been nominated before uh, You know, so it's it's all over the place But that's what's great about it You know, there's the glitz and the glamour And the lead up to it But uh, in the end, they, they recognize usually good work And, uh, you know, last night You had a um, an international feature uh, uh, You know, a person of color For all those that want to see more of that So I don't know how you could have asked For anything more last night at the Oscars And, uh, and that's, that, that's my wrap on it
1: yeah,
2: so the only thing the, I, I think that's better than me or me or Daniel could have done.
1: <laughs> yeah, the only <laughs> thing I, I wanted to say was yeah, shout out to that boy Bong Joon Ho, director of Parasite. Uh, I, not to to brag or anything, but I was kind of on that movie a little bit early, like back in September or October. I I had watched it through a semi legal service, um, and I've seen it <laughs> twice
0: now. Yeah, I but.
1: I, I was really high on that one. I've been a fan of his since uh, Snowpiercer, I think in 2014, and then Oakcha was a good one. He he made for yeah, Netflix, yeah. I think 2016. Oh, I didn't so, know he did
2: Snowpiercer.
1: Yeah, Snowpiercer is a great one. If uh, y'all haven't seen it, it's got Chris Evans, aka Captain America, and it's kind of. Uh, futuristic sci- not sci-fi but kind of futuristic dystopian a little bit um it's it's a really good one and then uh okja as well and then so this is his kind of big breakthrough and then so glad he got all the recognition he deserved and uh he could just see he was really humble and shouting out martin scorsese at the end that was a pretty touching moment uh but overall uh, a good time good watch
0: yep yeah, you, you kind of got a feel for Scorsese in that moment because
1: yeah, Irishman uh, got slammed. They got nothing.
0: Yeah, um, but I mean, it, you know, not only that, but you know, it's at this point where you know it's it's in someone's point in their career. It's kind of like Laura Dern, where you know she has a re- she's they've been great their entire careers, and people feel like, oh well, they should have won all those years ago for this, and they never did. So now that they're up again. You know, if all things being equal, these these voters or at least these enthusiasts think, well, they're going to give it to him this year for that, you know, for casino back in ninety five. And yeah, I don't know. I think there's you know, sometimes that happens, but not not this year, not when you got this clear, innovative front runner. That's who you go with, because you got to keep the awards, you know, true, true to their their nature. And uh, you just give it to the best picture, not who you think deserves it because of something way back when. Uh, but yeah, just to see him thank Scorsese, uh, it was just uh, it was a great moment to see. But you know, I also feel for Scorsese because you know, uh, The Irishman, yeah, didn't win much, but you know, it was it was just a good movie. I don't know if it really needed to win anything. I think people just wanted it to win something because of the guys involved. You know, they all looked uh, like they had been around for a few years, so. Who knows how many more movies like that we'll get from all of them? Right. But anyway, um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. Was there any uh, anything that stood out that you uh, were like blown away by? Like,
1: totally uh, not surprised? really. I, I enjoyed uh, Elton John's performance of his original song from Rocket Man. He was uh, doing good out there.
0: Yeah, but, yeah. It was kind of cool to see him. He was humbled when he got his speech because uh, he's never won an Oscar before either. Um, and then, of course, you had. Out of the blue, kind of out of left field, you had Eminem do his song that he won for way back when, over you know, over a decade ago. So, I don't know, a lot of people seemed to love it, and a lot of people were thinking, okay, okay, why are we watching this, like, right now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just kind of got that feeling from some of the, some of the pans to the audience. Um, but it, it was different. It was definitely different. Did you guys watch that one?
2: Yeah, I saw that. Um a lot of a lot of the Oscars for me was on mute until they started uh, announcing the award winners, but um I did see yeah. Marshall Mathers uh performing his music.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um but yeah, uh I, that's like, like I said, uh I planned to be drinking until the morning, and I'm sure he did cuz Man, it's, it's just such a like a roller coaster ride of emotions. Like he was backstage squatting, like this is this really happening? Um, and that's you know that's just the awards itself. After that is when all the after parties go to, and that's when you know it really kicks up into high gear. And um, like you couldn't even like I don't know who would have gone to this beforehand, but uh, this film uh, like you couldn't even get into the after party. Uh, they just people were standing outside for a couple hours. I don't. I don't think that I would have. I'd have kept it moving, but uh, you know, they, they just wanted to be involved in that night. So, uh, hopefully, he has a. He's still recuperating from his headache nicely right about now. <laughs> um, Do you guys have anything else that you wanted to
2: to mention? I guess uh, just one last thing, and we'll keep it real short. But you know, the XFL started this weekend, so I watched oh, yes. a little bit of those games, and yeah. uh, it's kind of interesting, kind of fun. Glad to see, glad to see football back, and you know it gives you something to something to look forward to and, and watch. Um, you know the the interesting thing was uh, I saw da- Dallas is uh, is one of the favorites. You know, uh, real they Bob, Bob Stoops is their coach. They've got an old uh, uh, Oklahoma quarterback. You'll remember Landry Jones is their is their quarterback as well. But um, so, and they were heav- heavily favored in the in the game I watched against uh, St. Louis. But then they ended up losing, and it was and the over was over fifty-two or something. And the I think the game ended like sixteen to six or something. So a little bit interesting. I think that what's kind of cool about this is you know no one really knows you know with the NFL day in day out you know the Patriots are going to be pretty good. You don't know how good you may you know are they going to win? Are they not going to win? But the Patriots are always probably going to be pretty good. But with this you know you're starting out and. You know, you look at their roster and you say, okay, well, I guess this team's going to be good. They've got this guy or this coach is coaching them or whatever. But, um, you know, we get to – this is – you get to really watch everything unfold with with no real um, idea what's going to happen. Yeah. I got to
0: tell you, I, I liked it too. I was like, hey, hey it's football. You know, uh, we just got off of uh, College National Championship and the Super Bowl, you know, and – in uh you know, like a month so it's football you know it's like you, you go to a party and you know a lot some people bring the good stuff you know there's uh, the ipas the sweetwaters the uh you know maybe some guinness something like that and then you know then you have a, another somebody pulls out some micro brew and then you know towards the end of the night all that's left is natural light and you're like all right that's fine. Let's do it. That's kind of how I felt about this. Um, it's, I enjoyed it for what it was. I did think it was smart on their part to put it like right after the super bowl, you know, and leading up to the NFL draft. Uh, I think either there or, you know, like maybe before the preseason or like they get all their preseason games in before the NFL preseason starts, either one of those would work. Cause you know, they're not going to compete with NFL or college for that matter. Um, you know, in the fall. So I thought their placement or their timing was good. Um, but I don't know, uh, I could see some value in it to, you know, some of the fans and the players, obviously, you know, it's creating jobs, but, uh, I just don't know if it's viable. Um, I don't know, Tommy, just watching the game. What was your, uh, did you watch it? Did you watch any Daniel?
1: I watched a little bit on, uh, saturday and that was it Uh, i thought it was good um i thought it was interesting how they're kind of implementing gambling into the broadcast it's kind of fairly novel especially (laughs) compared to the nfl's like kind of complete avoidance of that not saying that it's something i'd necessarily like or dislike but it's certainly uh something to do especially when uh, i think it's pretty undoubtable to say that gambling has become a fairly integral part of the football landscape for a lot of fans uh, across the u.s at least
0: right um yeah, so what, what what about you, Tommy? Just watching the game itself. Um, like did did it overwhelm, underwhelm, just kind of like, uh, eh, that's all right. You know,
2: I, I me and Daniel last year watched some of that AAF and um I tried to kind of get into it. And I think that I would say this is uh this is a, a step up from the AAF. Um and obviously the AAF failed, you know, it, it didn't even last a full season. Um I think but i think you can you know you can definitely tell there's a drop off in level of play um and but that's honestly that's not really a, a necessarily a bad thing i think the good thing about uh about this is that it's they're you know they're not marketing it as a like you said as a um as a competitor to the n f l and right. um they're really and the way they are really marketing it as is, is for the the football lover, you know, and for the for the I think right. the slogan is for the love of football or something. And so it is. you know they've kind of implemented some of the new rules, and uh, I, you know, I'm interested to see that. I didn't I didn't catch the double forward pass like then use that, uh, at least I didn't notice. But um, you know I'm kind of interested to see what that'll what that'll look like. But um You know, I think that I think that it's something. It'll be something fun to watch, and I'm hoping that they add more and more, you know, kind of fun to the game and try to make it, you know, with trick plays or with, uh, you know, some sort of some sort of way of of doing it. Um, And with with Vince McMahon and the WWE kind of being behind it, you know, it's going to be there's going to be some drama. Um, And then on the flip side, they have the commissioner is Andrew Luck's dad. I think it's Oliver Luck. So, you know, and he he came from uh he's got a pedigree of, you know, foot as an executive in the NFL. So, I think they've got a good, you know, a good combination um of of talent and of, you know, fun and and timing. Um and there's definitely a market for it, but you know, we'll have to and there's probably and there's definitely better management than the AAF um in that, you know, WWE has been uh, a very successful business. And I think the I think the AAF's problem was that um each owner had uh, had like I don't I don't think there are owners in the in the X F L in the same way that there are in the N F L or in uh the AAF. So in the mm-hmm. AAF the reason it collapsed was all the owners wanted theirs and they were fighting over revenue sharing and all that kind of, or lack thereof, you know, fighting over all their kind of their stake in this in this thing. Whereas Vince McMahon I think owns the whole thing. So or at least the company does. So right. I think there'll definitely be some more longevity, and I'm kind of eager just to see, you know, where it plays out and kind of what where it fits into the to the landscape of of professional sports that we've been so accustomed to right now of just really, you know, three major leagues in the U.S.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that was my thought. Like how is it's going to fit in because um, it's not the NFL, and they're not trying to market that way. But I guess my perspective is, all right, well, if you're the XFL, you know, if it's like the X Games compared to the Olympic Games, if you're the XFL, me personally, I want to see more of the X. And I saw a little bit of it, some of the kickoffs, you know, where they just have two two lines right in front of each other, so there's no, like, gunner running down the field ready to take somebody's head off. Um, and they, they incorporated, like, a rep – it's a, it, he's not a referee. He's just the, like the lone ball spotter. Like that's his only job. He doesn't throw flags or anything. He just keeps track of ball placement, which I think is awesome. I think that's great. Um, and I don't know, it's like, I, I guess if it's the XFL, I didn't want to see more gimmicks because, um, just it's like the NFL light, you know, natural light compared to, you know, like a good Pilsner. So, I don't know if it's going to be the XFL. I think it's got to establish itself slightly different. Like, I know they're trying to incorporate a lot of the fan stuff, but, you know, I don't need on-the-field interviews. Uh, they're trying to show – so they could hear the, the replay official talking about the play. You know, that's cool, but, like, I want someone to, like, change the game. Like, instead of, I don't know, the option to kick a 55-yard field goal, maybe the quarterback has the option to, you know, just throw like a Hail Mary, and if his guy catches it, that's three points. You know, something just – out of the out of the normal realm of, of the NFL to just kind of make it more X, um, I do think though that since it's you know kind of not quite the NFL, you know like old guys could still play it if they wanted to, because you know Philip Rivers got or he's I don't know if he got to let go, but he's not going to stay with the Chargers. But you know I think it would take something like that, someone else to help legitimize the league to get some more substantialness. That or they just create a farm team like uh, baseball or basketball does um, to where there's like some, you know, some general interest from the lower leagues to filter to the upper leagues directly. Um, and I don't know. A, remember how the MLS brought in David Beckham and like he played with LA and that kind of, you know, brought a little bit more attention to it. I'm just wondering if there's some mm-hmm. guy like that that they could bring in like a, not, you know, let's just say it was Philip Rivers. And he's like, yeah, I, I want to play. Maybe I don't want the grind in an NFL league.
1: Or like Eli team. Manning or something.
0: Yeah, he's just like, you know, I just want to sit back here and throw dimes. So I don't want to hand off or anything. You just long snap it to me, and I'll just pick somebody apart, like like Arena League, you know? And maybe that's something else. They could change the, the snaps to where a receiver can get a running start. It's where he's crossing the ball or crossing the line as soon as the ball snapped. You know, something like that, just to make it different. That was my thought on anyway. Well, so, what do you think about Philip Rivers? You know, them bringing in someone like Beckham to kind of spice it up a little bit. I think I think that that could be an
2: option, but I think I, also you might want to look younger. Um, they don't have the the collective bargaining um, agreement saying that you have to be a junior to go in. So a lot of people are saying, you know, probably not Trevor Lawrence, but a guy like Trevor Lawrence or a. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, a really good kind of like one of those quarterbacks you think of, you know, who's really good in the whack or really good in the wherever, um, you know, lower level league who might not make the NFL, but puts up huge numbers. You could see him leaving early as a freshman or a, a, a sophomore and going into the XFL. Um, because, of course, you know, like the, the junior rule of having to be three years displaced from high school um, to play in the NFL is that it's, a rule set by the NFL. It has nothing to do with you know law or or um, right, right. anything like that. So I think that's something that could happen. You know, it it, it mirrors a lot of the USFL, um, and when they got Herschel Walker into the USFL, that was kind of what brought them to the to the next level. Um, yeah. Now I think one thing that a lot of people have learned, and I'm sure they that uh, Vince McMahon and the XFL won't repeat, is to they're their, and I think. They're not going to try and compete with the, with the NFL. The USFL tried to and ended up failing. Um, but, uh, you know, all in all, I think that we'd see, we'll we see, uh, you know, definitely, I think there will probably be a few players, not many, but a few players that might choose to go um, play in the XFL early and, and you know, try to look at professional football and make money um, yeah. as, opposed, as opposed to going to college.
0: Yeah, like what if Tyran Matthew, because he got kicked off the team and he just decided to, you know, focus that next season on getting ready for the draft. So what if something like that happens where these guys can, they don't have to worry about, you know, getting their grades back up or, uh, you know, just training for a draft. They could just start playing right away. Um, Something like that. But uh, I also want to know what you thought about, you know, the cities, too, because all of were and mostly teams were NFL teams were already established. So... That's why I'm wondering why they wouldn't just do like a maybe like a junior varsity type situation if they're going to be in the same cities. You know, otherwise why not just, you know, kind of spread it around, maybe maybe hedge your bets with, you know, different fan bases. Uh I don't know, do you, uh what do you guys think of something like that? Like the cuz all of them were in, already in major markets with uh with teams. I I think the I think that
2: was a uh, you know, trying to move into places that already had football fan bases and had uh, the infrastructure—you know, stadiums that were yeah. capable of, of, of facilitating
0: professional football games. Um, yeah. But do you but, think a Cowboys fan is really going to go invest their money in a in a Dallas Renegade game, unless it was like somehow connected to the Cowboys? Yeah, I actually do think so.
2: Um, yeah. Because okay. I, you know, football is is king in America. You know, like they, if you look at the numbers, you know, NBA is not doing is not doing as well as it used to, and and uh, Major League Baseball, you know, sadly, because I'm a big baseball fan, but you know, people people don't like baseball as much. So I think there'll be people yeah. who would go out to games, um, yeah. you know, the the real diehard football fans, and you know, even still. Um, I think that I think that the media markets and the you know the TV you know trying to get the TV ratings, it wouldn't really matter where they were, and you, you probably do want a bigger name city behind it if it's just going to be people watching on TV.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Well, that that is one thing they have going for them is they have all of those contracts. Um, and I thought it was smart. They only have eight teams. Uh, it's a ten-week season. I thought it could be even shorter, but at least they've made it uh, amenable for themselves to get on TV. You know, what, we're, what else are we gonna watch on a on a Sunday, right now? Other than yeah. you know, like figure skating or something. So I, I think that's working for them. Um, you know, we'll just see if the if the fans show up. I think one of the games had like seventeen thousand paid paid in attendance. Uh, if they can get those kind of numbers consistently, you yeah, know, they could they could stick around. You know, there's not a lot of uh, D1 schools, they get that regularly, so I think that would help with it, help with that. I will say though, my one
2: complaint is I, I just think that the the overall the uh, the mascot like name choices have been pretty terrible. <laughs> like <laughs> right. they look like a team mascots. Um, like you know you making Madden or something. I just think that, I don't know. Right. You know I actually kind of liked the AAF some of the AAF names. And, uh, and like logos or whatever. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know. I just like the say I don't even know what a battle, like St. Louis Battle Hawks. I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, DC, I don't know. The Decks isn't that bad. DC Defenders. Don't know what that means. I think New York is like the Gargoyles or something. You know, that's kind of weird. Guardians. Guardians. Is it the Guardians. Yeah, but their mascot's a Gargoyle. Oh.
0: Um, well, you know, you know, what? It, it seems like they've, it's all names from, uh, like professional teams and movies, you know, like if you're watching, yeah. uh, last, uh, what is it? Any given Sunday or something like those are the names from those teams. That's it's, what it yeah. It's like
2: when you, it's like when you're watching a movie or you're, or you're playing a video game and they can't afford to get the license, so
0: they yeah. just, like make
2: up generic <laughs> names. You know, I, th- right. I just feel like you could have like, for instance, uh, for on an unrelated note, I was looking up, uh, make minor league baseball teams the other day, looking at just like the area minor league baseball teams. And um, like, there's some really cool like nicknames, you know, for the for the different and mascots for the different minor league teams all across the country. I feel like they could have just put a little bit more. If they put a little bit more effort into it, they might have gotten some better names. I don't know. Maybe I'm
1: maybe I'm in the minority, but I'm just not impressed.
0: I uh, know I'm with you. What, what say you, Daniel?
1: Uh, I've been kind of quiet. I I don't know if I'm really bought into the to the XFL, so I can't really give much takes at this point. I mean, if it takes off. No, but then... you
0: could tell us. You can tell us why you wouldn't buy into that. Is uh, I don't know.
1: It's just not that appealing if it's not the real deal. It's kind of what you say. It's kind of like going to a minor league baseball game or like a watching an NBA like D League game on TV. It's like yeah, it, it's the sport. Like they got good players, but it's not. It's not the show. So unless they start doing stuff that's like real crazy, that makes it super unique and exciting to watch, then,
0: exactly. I, don't,
1: then I don't know if it's something that exactly. I want to devote my
0: time to kind of get invested in. Yeah. I, you know, I think I'd want to see, you know, more trick plays, just something more, some more pizzazz. Cause again, if you're going to brand yourself as not the NFL, but the XFL, which means it could be anything then, you know, I'd want to see pretty much anything. Um, like instead of, uh, let's say instead of, um, you know, you get offsides on a—I don't know. There's depending on the penalty. Like depending on the penalty, what if instead of just giving them an automatic 15 yards and a first down, it's like, all right, well, yeah, I'll take the uh, the downs over. But what if instead of this this next play, one player has to sit on their defense? You know, like I don't want—I don't want the yards. I want the down minus one guy. You know, something crazy like that. You know, just something to mix it up. I think that's what would pull in more more viewers, like Daniel and myself. But anyway uh we'll we'll pick that apart as it continues on but um yeah it's funny their their suit their Super Bowl is like right around the nFL draft so I thought the timing was you know it's interesting because guys looking at the drafts could look at this as like a it's basically like a you know a season long senior bowl right mm-hmm. it's kind of the you know the best of college players all playing together anyway um any uh, any other final thoughts before we uh, before we head out? I think that kind of wraps it up for us.
1: Yeah, I kind of okay. went off on the, some tangents there, but I think hopefully our listeners will enjoy something a little bit different today. So nice long pod for you all. Hopefully they will get you through the week. <laughs> but I think we covered it all.
0: Yeah. Covered yes, all yes we more. did. And more, yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they've watched the XS, XFL and they've got some uh, some thoughts of their own. And if they do, if they agree or if they differ – you know, let us know, give us, give us some feedback because, uh, you know, just something new like this, uh, it'd be good to hear what other people think about it. Cause, um, you know, other people that, you know, don't even have a say like us, you know, could come up with some great idea that helps them improve it and draws more people. But I guess we'll never know if we don't ask, but, uh, anyway, uh, stay tuned and, uh, hope y'all have a good week. Again, uh, LSU baseball is opening up against Indiana at home. Uh, if you're able and the weather's nice, uh, I'd say check it out. Go go support the Tigers. Uh, that is, if there's even still tickets, because you know they've, uh, I think, set attendance records for the last twenty six or seven years. They've they've had the uh, the most attendance in college baseball. So, uh, go Tigers, and um, we will uh, catch you next time on Talking Tips.